This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And do we sound jaded? Absolutely not. I mean, we should sound jaded because we've literally just bowled off a train from Hull. So we have a night out in Hull, as you do. It's the uh, City of Culture for 2017, apparently. Um, we saw a lot of culture last night, actually, didn't we, Laney? Yeah, we saw a lot of culture, but it was probably 16th century culture. <laughs> we, went to the, we went to the old town and we saw some Dickensian pubs. and uh, some lovely, but it wasn't, it wasn't modern. But, uh, yeah, thoroughly enjoyable, mate. Indeed, indeed. We'll talk about that maybe in a little bit as well. But like I said, we've just come off the train here and we've bowled ourselves straight from King's Cross across the road to the Euston Flyer, which is a pub that I haven't been to for quite a while. Sometimes a bit of a sort of a post-footy pub that you used to come into when you come off the trains, but it's actually quite nice in there, sort of all wooden, you know, a few screens and everything like that, you know. So we've tucked ourselves right here in the corner. Euston Flight's on the Euston Road, actually right opposite the old British... Uh, that's the British Library, isn't it? Yeah, and Euston Station over there to the right. So uh, the thing is, actually, there's not many times that we can use this next season because we put Franchise FC down last weekend so they're not going to be there and we've got no Manchester clubs anymore St Pancras and St Cross St Pancras and St Cross Cross, most definitely but anyway used to find a nice little pub taking care of us very nicely Um, even though we're drinking quite heavily now I'm on the old Oliver's Island I know Laney's on the Pride and uh, Dutchman you're even drinking yourself I'm never shy of having a drink Billy as you know Um, Oliver's Island for for lunch tea and dinner would always be a suitable menu yes indeed but look let's just go straight into this now we're going to talk about quite a few things this will be a lot mellower than last couple of weeks where we've thrown you loads of information we're dragging that back a little bit because what we're doing is we're just trying to gear ourselves up for the big game on Saturday we're playing Fulham on Saturday and that's actually a really big game but before we talk about that we've got Hull and the MK Dons games which we played at the weekend on Tuesday but I'm going to explain to you or talk to you about my pals who are in the pub here with me in Houston the Houston Flyer there's me Billy Grant and I've got the liberal Nick who is who's sweating at the moment because at the moment now he's trying to get someone into a position of power and uh, he's trying to pull all the strings and I think liberal Nick will you succeed? Uh, I'll make a bloody good fist of it, um, and one can only turn around. Uh, one can only turn around uh, a team's fortunes, and um, I've some experience of following that this season. So you never know. You do never know, and I'm not going to mention, you know, this political circle and putting fists in it or anything like that. We will move on quite rapidly, Mr. Lane. Well, another first for Besotted. There, it's the first time we've heard the term "good fist" um, on the podcast. Um, so, yeah, well done, Nick, for that. <laughs> cheers, um, cheers, Nick, for lowering the tone. Cheers. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, we're, we're back from Hull. Um, I won't, I won't do the old cliche from Hull and back. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so, so I'm a bit gutted actually that uh, the, the unbeaten run didn't continue. I think if we'd have played this game back when it should have been played at the beginning of March, we we probably would have lost it um, as we did last night. And I think it was probably quite important, or it could have been quite important for us to go get to the end of the season without losing. And I, I think we probably might have achieved that if it wasn't for last night. So it's a shame because well, I think we were starting to set some good standards. Some uh, there was some there was some you know we were making progress, but. 
we will talk about the game in a little bit more detail. We, we will do it and talk about setting standards. I mean, setting standards, you know, even though this is a nothing game, it's a dead rubber. There's still 250 plus Brentford fans who decided to go up there. A lot of them went there because they've never been to Hull before. And also, it's just, you know, it's just a new place to go. And I was quite you know, impressed by the pottiness of uh, a lot of the characters who were up there. And, and we were actually the only people who were out at night. All the Hull fans, they were no interest before the game, during the game, after the game. It's just... A few students out. I think a lot of the Brentford that were there that were just completely on autopilot. I think they just were like robotic and they just ended up there. They probably couldn't tell you how they got there at all. Some of them had been there twice in a few weeks because they obviously bought their train tickets for the uh, for the, for the original fixture. Arsenal obviously played there in a, in a cup replay, so they went to that game as well. So uh, yeah, they're, they're they're proper hardened train travellers. It was an interesting again. We got the tour from the Paulie Paul UK. Thanks very much for putting your guide out, which we followed. We went down to the marina. You'll see it on the video. To we went to loads of different places, and you'll see what's flagged up on the video. We went to a, another pub, which was interesting. I would say it was called the old, Ye Old Black Boy, and it had interesting paraphernalia in it. And if you look at the video, we've kind of scanned through the paraphernalia, and as you can see, a little, there's a little bit of an explanation mark as we put a question mark. As you imagine, I was sitting inside this pub, thinking, "Hmm, is this a museum for? Uh, well, I don't know. Is this a museum, or is this just a pub that just reflects or what's going on here?" Dutchman, how are you? I'm well, thanks, Billy. Um, city of culture, interesting. Um, interesting. I haven't been there for a while, so that, that'll be an interesting to see what they can do between now and then. There's a lot of work to be done. Um, but yeah, a busy week. Looking forward to chatting about football, looking forward to uh, not chatting about finances and numbers, hopefully, and just a more general chat about what remains of our season uh, and the two remaining targets, which are clearly to beat Fulham on Saturday and finish above Queen's Park Rangers. Indeed, indeed. So listen, let's go quickly and let's talk... Oh, let's th look back, actually. These two games that we played. We played one at the weekend, MK Dons, Franchise FC. We also played Hull last night. What we like to do is listen to not our own voices, but what the fans had to say about those games, because they tell us from the heart immediately after the game. So let's go back to the pubs to hear what they say after the game. I think it was all one-sided. I think MK Dons knew over down. I mean, they um, they give a little bit of fight, but I think Brentford was too just too good for them. To be honest, point because we're back where we started again, and it's going to be very difficult to get back up the next time. Because how many players are we are these are we going to keep? And we hold, we haven't got the players, and we're we're going to struggle next season as well. To be honest, I, I do blame the manager because you can't keep rotating players, and you just and then also the training. I look at it, the, the coaching's wrong, the the way they use the goalkeepers are wrong. And you just put yourself under play, under pressure, and that's what's happening. We didn't need to be anything better than ordinary today to beat them. They were they were shocking. I mean, they needed to win to stay up, and they didn't really offer anything by the first ten minutes. So. Um, I'm being honest, yeah, I don't think we're particularly great, but it's, it gives us hope for next season. I mean, with a few additions, I think we could do all right, you know. So I think MK have done it all wrong. They've, they've worked hard to get up into the championship. They've got a fantastic ground there. They got the potential, and they haven't invested, and they got what they deserved. Well, come a long way to watch this, and it wasn't that great. But as you said, at the end of the season, what more can you ask for? We're staying up. That's what we want. It's good, good enough for us. As long as we get a win next Saturday, that's all I'm looking forward to. We looked all right about the first 10 minutes and then they just kind of got on top of us and it's pretty poor after that I thought but yeah I mean I was, I was really disappointed but it did have that end of season end of season feeling to it and I think it's fair enough trying Jurison I like the fact we tried Josh Clark today I, I particularly I like Woods in the middle and I thought that he drifted in and out of the middle which was quite good so I'm disappointed with the result but it is what it is really you know it's an end of season game and that's fair enough uh, we were competitive at times, but I think we were just up against this side with a bit more quality than us, really. And I think kind of a bit of reality check. Maybe we're only in good form, but it shows we're a little bit off the top six at the moment. So I think something to aspire to next season, if we can get a couple more players in, hopefully bridge that gap a little bit. But, yeah, we did OK. We were competitive, but I don't think uh, anyone can really argue with the result. I think you have to remember today that it sounds like Hull made quite a few changes to their uh, to their sort of eleven, and maybe there are you know the, the the key for them is the kind of depth and quality of their squad, and I think that's uh, really impressive, and that's again something we need to aspire to next season within the budget that we have. It was it was a coordination. They just they just didn't pass the ball properly. They missed a penalty, which is criminal in my opinion. They just 
basically they're not good enough. I mean, as you say, in, in, in February, we were, you know, we were sitting top of the table and I, ex I expected to go in, within the top two. But unfortunately, it's fallen away. But you never know when we now we've made the playoffs anyway. So we could have a good playoff run and get up that way. I've been here a few times as a neutral and I've, I've never really experienced an atmosphere as flat as that today. It was really, really end of season, pre-season stuff. I can't explain it. I, I guess they're just waiting for the playoffs to kick in and they, we've just like a, a warm-up game for that. I'm not disappointed. I'm, I'm happy because I saw one, but I'm disappointed for the fans that travelled all this way because I, I think they could have put a bit more effort in. They could have, you know, done a bit more. In the final third, it was a bit flat. It was nice passing up today, and then, but I just felt like there was no impetus in that final third. And we, it would have been nice to reward the fans, the, the small numbers that came here, the loyal lot, with a bit more of a fight and show what they're worth. We're kind of giving up that unbeaten run a bit limply tonight. And, um, yeah, I wish they'd just gone out with a few more shots and uh, a few more attempts, really. It's, it's, it was a bit flat. So, two games in a very short space of time. Played MK Dons away on Saturday. Beat them 4-1. We played Hull on Tuesday night. We lost 2-0. Two very different games. Two quite different teams. Two different setups, two outlooks, two different quantity of fan who travelled, um, two different set of stadia, two different um, what is it? Sort of kind of uh, age of the, the the club as well. One is about two minutes old, and one is like ages old. So yeah, very different the two games, weren't they, Laney? Oh yeah, God yeah. Um, the opposition and the quality and uh, yeah, they were, they were you know golf golf apart in terms of footballing ability and miles as well. Um, yeah, MK Dons um, were a, a, a poor team, very poor team. They, they, they caused us a few problems, to be fair. They, they, they did have a, wiki, um, a, a nippy winger, um, and they could have they could have got at least one more goal. Um, Button made a great save, and uh, they, they, they blazed one wide. Um, but again, we, we could have we could have scored three or four if we were really gonna we were going for the jugular. It was it was a perfect um, perfect kind of kind of game for Brentford where we were able just to soak it up and hit him hit him um, on the break using our you know our, our counter-attacking style um, it was it was I really I really enjoyed it it's probably the first time I've enjoyed going to MK Dons as, as, a, as a visiting fan um, because I, you know we got we got the result and uh, you know it was it was it was a bit of a, a bit of a knees up there was a it was a it was a proper proper knees up coming out of the ground um, there's a couple of a uh, couple of video clips that are uh, that are on the besotted website um, on the, and on the Twitter that um, are worth having a look at um, Hull, yeah, they were they were much stronger than us. Um, even though that you know they rested a few, um, their fans aren't confident that they're going to go up through the playoffs. So it's an opportunity to go there next season, I, I reckon, and it's, it's a, it'd be a good good away day. Um, you know, we're, we're, there's some good pubs up there. There were some good people, and um, you know, it's, uh, as I say, you know, it's, it's worth making the trip next year. I mean, Dutch, were you? I mean, the fact that they changed the team for, for Hull, did that sort of surprise you, or is that kind of what you expected? It did surprise me a bit. I mean, I, I didn't actually think too long and hard what the team would be, but when I saw it, I was quite surprised. I didn't expect Swift to go straight back into the team. You know, a team that, and I, I like, I, I like Swift, but a team that's done quite well without him in terms of results. You know, can't be argued. And I think to come back in uh, was interesting. Whether that means he's not going to start on Saturday, um, you know, may, maybe the reason behind that. I think what's interesting for me, we were talking about it last week, was these are these are two of the very, very few games over the last few seasons that don't actually mean very much. You know, virtually every game we've been involved in has either been as part of a promotion campaign or a, you know, a perceived relegation fight or a playoff campaign. You know, genuinely the MK Dons result meant nothing other than you could say in terms of finishing above you know, QPR, which is which is still massively important, of course. And you relegated them. And you relegated yeah, well, that would have been good. But yeah. they were down without us. I don't, nice to say we, that we um, opened the trap door, but I think they were already well and truly hung. Um, but there's not been that many games that don't really matter. So I think the fact that Brent were up for it on Saturday was really impressive. And, you know, it was a good result. I've had some bad days there and really good to get a really decent result. Hull was probably one step too far. Uh, the changes, I don't think anyone's that bothered as long as it leads to the result that we all want this weekend. Indeed, and I think, I mean, for, for me, I mean, I'll talk about the whole game. 
I think the, the one disappointment, probably for fans, even though they didn't say it because I think they were there on a night out anyway, was just the fact that, you know, yes, the changes were made. They, they travel a long way on a Tuesday night, 250-plus fans there on a Tuesday night, and they didn't quite get out of second gear. They, they just weren't quite good enough, and you realise that if you take out two or three or four elements from the side, it really does break down. You saw it against Hull, you know, up front we weren't excited enough. Yeah, we're passing the ball around. We were losing the ball in key areas. You know, you've got players that are out there that are trying them out, and they were... Not quite there, but the, the, the question you say is that you've got to try these players out sometime. And if you're going to try them out this game, it's probably better than trying them out this game than you know the next season or against Fulham or something like that. So to me, you can see the reason why he did it. Um, you know, Jurisin played. You know, I really did like Jurisin before he got injured. He's come back, and I, you know, I've got to tip me out and say, to be quite honest with you, I'm not quite sure whether or not he's going to do it for Brentford in the short term. And I think that possibly is going to be the last time we saw Jurisin in a Brentford shirt um, this season. Swift as well. It's interesting. He's been out. He's been injured. He's come back, and you've seen sort of almost like how much the team has kind of moved on since he's been out. And he's come back in, and he's going to kind of have to really fight to get his, you know, his place back in the side because we we kind of have moved on a couple of notches. And, uh, you know, interesting if they're looking at him for next season, what he'll have to do to do the place. But to me, yes, I mean, I say fair enough to Dean Smith. He tried a few things out. Hopefully he knows a bit more about the players that he's going to be signing up for his squad next season and the ones that he's going to be letting go. So looking around at what's happening around in the football world at the moment now, there's no bigger story at this moment now than the Hillsborough inquiry. We've had the results of the Hillsborough inquiry and... The results that came out from that were absolutely astonishing. If you have no idea about what the Hillsborough Inquiry is about, basically it's about a football match where Liverpool played Nottingham Forest 27 odd years ago. Um, um, due to certain reasons, a number of fans died. The fans were blamed for these deaths. They said that they caused a lot of trouble, they were drunk, um, they, they stormed the gates. You know, there's all various reasons that came out, but through two years of inquiries, basically the families have been fighting for justice for 27 years. They said, this is not true, this is not true, this is not true. And all unions and the local newspapers and stuff like that, they've been trying to paint the right picture. But all the time, people are saying, no, this is not true. These fans have been you know, criminals, you know, they, they caused the problems. The Hillsborough Inquiry two years ago has gone through loads and loads and loads and loads of evidence. And in the end, they resulted in a verdict yesterday, which turned out saying that the killings were unlawful. Basically, the police made huge errors. The ambulance people made huge errors. The fans were not implicated in it whatsoever. They went about their business. They did the right things, but it was the police that did that. But what is worse about it is that the police lied and they tried to cover up. The police and the authorities and everyone tried to lie to cover up, cover their tracks, to basically paint a black picture on football fans. And that was the worst thing. And this has gone on not only 27 years ago, but all the way through to now, and also all the way through to the inquiry, where they could have turned around and said, actually, we made a mistake. But no, they didn't. They kept lying and lying and lying, and they were sussed out. So this has got a big implication on football. But what we're turning around to say is that, you know, the great thing is justice for the families who for 27 years have been fighting for their families and now the truth has come out and they are absolutely delighted. It's probably not quite the world, but probably relieved. But also, I think as football fans, we need to look at this because this could have really wide-ranging implications on football and what's happening in and around our country at the moment. Nick? 96 people went to a football match, <clears throat> young and old, men and women, boys and girls um, and didn't come home because they were treated like animals um, and nowadays football fans are treated like children as a direct result of the, what happened those awful events that happened at Hillsborough and as you said Billy um, it has been an establishment cover-up and my um, thanks and um, respect go to those 11 members of the jury who sat through the coroner's inquest for two years um, heard all the evidence, examined all the evidence and then exposed some of the lies and I think it's fair to say corruption that has taken place in echelons of British society over this whole event. Um, we were lied to, people of Britain were lied to by the police, by the ambulance service, by people in positions of authority at the Football Association, by uh, editors of national newspapers, um, because, all because people felt that football fans were somehow a different class apart from anybody else. Um, so well done for the 11 members of the uh, coroner's uh, jury. 
um, who actually uncovered and, and, and have come up with the truth now. And I think what's really important is this can't now be allowed to be covered up. Um, there have got to be actions as a result of this. I know that the CPS are looking at whether prosecution should take place as a result of um, the... Um, um, uh, the the actions of individuals on that art not fateful afternoon at Hillsborough, and they've got to. Um, and while they weigh those up, I hope at the same time the football authorities will be looking again at things like the Taylor report, which was the uh, inquiry that was taking place after the Hillsborough uh, tragedy, and seeing how football can progress into the 21st century, because for a long time we've been stuck almost in the 19th century. And it's interesting, we just mentioned the Taylor Report, which is very important because a lot of people may not know what the Taylor Report is. The Taylor Report, as, as Nick said, was a report that was made after the Hillsborough Report and what it turned around in effect and said, the Hillsborough Report said that football fans are dangerous, football fans are out of control, football fans, they cause all these problems, they get drunk and they did all these things at Hillsborough and these people were killed. So what we need to do is that we need to control them in a certain way. So what we'll do is what one thing that it suggested is all-seater stadia. So a lot of you have probably been through your whole lives going to football where there's see a stadium but beforehand there was a choice if you wanted to sit if you wanted to stand but Taylor report said only seat a stadium for a start so it, that as, as a result of the fact that football fans have done such and such at Hillsborough also the Taylor report turned around and said you know football fans get drunk and they, they cause all these problems so it also suggested there was going to be no drinking in the stadium or no drinking while in view of the ground back in the day again you used to be able to get a beer you used to take it out of the stadium and you used to have a you know drink just like you do at American football or, and, and, and in Germany and all these other places but it was decided that this was not allowed plus a lot of also fairly draconian measures were put into place which kind of gave police powers and the authorities powers which basically almost like belittled football supporters so that if anyone turned around to us and that was actually nice to a football fan we actually felt oh this is really great because we're so used to actually be, being downtrodden on and treated as sort of third-class citizens um this was the case but this is all a, a, a result of what happened coming out of this whole period now so for me i'm looking at this and i'm thinking yeah yes we've had justice which is great but also the government um as, as again, Nick would say, I think Theresa May made an, a wholehearted apology and we need to kind of make amends with football fans. But to me, I'm thinking there needs to be some serious changes because basically you've almost treated us as scum, and, but now that's not the case. So surely you need to be looking at how you can make amends to actually kind of make football more of a sport where we can go out and enjoy it like human beings, just like rugby or basketball or American football. Yeah, I don't think anyone can underestimate how far-reaching the verdict's going to be. Um, you know, for, for football, <clears throat> um, the way the football fans are treated, I think we can start negotiating and, and start planning how we how we want to be treated on a match day. Just like cricket fans, you know, you, you look at these carnivals at 2020, um, you look at how um, the freedoms that rugby fans are allowed. You look at the you look at the um, you look at the restrictions on your travel on a, if you ever go travel by coach to an away game why you need to sit in the service station for 25 hours why you need to drop why why there's a police escort in and out you know it, you, well, you can't drink on a coach yeah, yeah exactly it's, 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 all, it's all of these restrictions have come out of, of an era and a backdrop where football fans were painted as scumbags um, and we, we can we can now have adult debates knowing that you know we're not going to be accused oh it's, it's all your fault you've only got yourselves to blame if you can't behave yourselves you know we're gonna have to make some rules that make make sure you do but you know Equally, it does call into question on a, on a wider scale of, of what other miscarriages of justice and what what else was allowed to be covered up from that era. And I think you know, um, in the years to come, I think we're going to see a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of justice or so-called justice at the time questioned and 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 the lid lifted on what really happened. Um, I just think you know we need to as, as you know as we as we kind of like progress into is like you know if you ever wonder why. A cricket fan is allowed to be jumping up and down and smiling and happy inside the ground. You know, of course, you know, um, people need to drink responsibly and, and not beat each other up and and you know keep keep their behaviour in in, in, you know, in line with what is what is right and good in a public place. Of course, all of those things that goes without saying. But you you don't need to be treated like a child for that to happen. And you know, we pay enough money, we, we give enough time to, to 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 go up and down the country, and we. We should, we should be able to do so with complete freedom and um, complete liberty. Dutchman. I don't know where you start really on such a big subject, Billy. I mean, certainly the first thing is, as Nick said, res respect and love to all those involved. We've kept it going for this long and fought for 
what they believed and what all real football fans have known for years and years to be true. Um, worth pointing out as well, of course, that Brentford were in the quarterfinals that year playing Liverpool, um, where we got outclassed on the day. But obviously a lot of us had an interest in the cup that year and probably paid particular attention to that game, thinking what could have been with us and our chances of winning the cup uh, in, in that wonderful run that we had. Um, you know, my flatmate was there on that day, I remember. He was sitting in the opposite end. Luckily, you know, the effect it's had on him afterwards watching those events unfurl. You mean at, at, at Hillsborough? At Hillsborough, yeah. And, you know, and I remember standing at the Bees game that afternoon when you couldn't get any scores through. No one knew what was going on because pre-phones, pre-internet, pre-social media, you know, no one knew why the score wasn't being announced. And most of us sort of heard it either on the radio or as news started to come through. So a very, a very memorable and, and sad day. I remember afterwards, I think the first game we played, the first one I went to, I think was Southend away, where they just took the fences down. And I remember everyone standing there in, in, in pretty much silence. You know, we got to the game and the fences that were normally there, you know, locking us all in, were laid flat on the grass in front because they hadn't had time to take them away and we all stood there in silence watching that game. Um, I remember going to Hillsborough for a Brentford game reasonably soon after that, sitting on that top tier, and every single person there really couldn't enjoy the game because you just had that memory of what happened to those people on that day. So it's a tragic state of affairs and you guys already covered the implications the you know the, the scumminess of the people involved in that and what they've done and you know i pray that they come to, to you know to, to proper justice because you, you know the families maybe celebrated a small win yesterday in terms of the, the success but they can't get their loved ones back and to see newspapers like the sun this morning you know one of the most vociferous you know anti-football papers and their you know disgusting headline those years ago refusing to put an apology on the front page today by virtue of they made an apology 12 years ago and four years ago, and today's was hidden inside, really just sums up what, what football fans are up against. And again, but why is the sun, why is the sun, why the sun, why, what, how is that linked into it? Well, for some of the ones who famously came out with their, their headline of the truth about how fans behaved on that day, so really buying into what they were told for whatever reasons from, from the police and others about, you know, fans storming the gates, fans urinating on each other, fans picking each other's pockets. Um, you know, and all those things have since been proved to be nothing but utter and blatant lies. You know, it's led to the sun not being sold in most of Liverpool um, over the many years since. And I don't think events of today are going to change any of that. So, Nick, I, I also just think that every time, every time we visit Sheffield Wednesday, actually, not that much has changed when because the away fans, of course, as people listening to this podcast might know, go through the Lepping Lane and actually not that much change and it's pretty chilling every time you enter through those gates to think what what went on there i think the important thing that's got to come from this is that um looking ahead that they will start to involve true football fans in the design of new stadiums and in the way we um, take forward the refurbishment of grounds because I think that was actually something that was quite quite clear as well is that the um, Sheffield Wednesday's ground at that stage was very run down um, some of the barriers were in poor condition etc it's improved since then thank the Lord but what's important going forward is that football fans are consulted about what we want out of the stadium and the way that we are treated by the authorities and hopefully this will open a few more doors to us um, to be able to engage in that. I just want to I just want to sort of un underline what Nick's just said really it's you know um, organisations like the FSF and um, Supporters Direct now are, should be consulted at every level and you know fans really really um, questioned about you know as, as I said a little bit earlier about how they want their, their match days to be and you know but, but let's not forget and you know I don't, none of us will that it shouldn't have taken the death of 96 people for this to have happened that that is you know it really is a crying shame and you know these people that went to football died and you know they were innocent and you know just let's always remember them it's unbelievable that football fans are treated differently you know you wouldn't be allowed to discriminate in such a way in any other walk of life uh, against a particular group uh, you know being a Twickenham resident come, come and see the army and navy match at Twickenham this weekend you know and see if drinks banned from that game and the behavior there and you know and how it's just allowed and tolerated for a very very similar game you know, in terms of structure and where people sit and, and how they behave. And it's just been allowed to tolerate with the backing of, you know, the press and the authorities. And, you know, we're, we're sitting here now in the middle of the day getting, getting quite emotional about this. I watched it yesterday on my news. And I had literally tears in my eyes and lumps in my throat just watching that verdict come through and, you know, getting there again now talking about it. So, you know, I'm sure all football fans will share those emotions. But as everyone says, this is now the time we've got to try and change things and make things better. If anybody needs reminding of why this was so important, can I recommend they go to the BBC Radio iPlayer app 
and look for the report that was broadcast 7.30 a.m. yesterday, so that was uh, Tuesday morning on the Radio 4 Today programme. Ten minutes covering of what's Radio 2's coverage of the football and the sporting events and how the tragedy unfolded. Go and listen to that. It is spine-chilling at, at me in floods of tears at quarter to eight in the morning. Go and find it and listen to it. And, and again, what I'll, what I'll come back to, just to, sort of summing up on this, because this is, like I say, this is going to go on and on for a, a time. Just coming back to it, you know, the families have got justice, which is absolutely fantastic. And like I said to you, I do really believe that there are going to be changes over a period of time, OK? Maybe nothing that's going to get pushed immediately because it's still a very sensitive period now. I mean, as you, some people may or may not know, I'm on the board of the Football Supporters Federation, so I know that there will be talks and things that will be happening and trying to push things forward. If we look and we try to project what these things, some of these things may be... Um, I'm thinking that drinking in the stadium is something that's going to be contested over the next sort of 12 to 18 months because um, those laws that have been put into place, there's question marks even beforehand, even before this has happened as to why this is the case. I know that police will be a little bit nervous about it. I mean, I know that there's no drinking in the away end at Brentford and um, in our recent chat with the police. Uh, for the Fulham game, they were like delighted that there's no drinking because they just felt that, you know, if they have less to drink, then they've got less to deal with. But that's a separate issue completely. Also, obviously, the standing issue is going to be another interesting one as well. I think that what this is going to be is that maybe it's not a blanket scenario, as in every single club has to do it, because obviously there's sensitivities around Liverpool and the Liverpool area as to whether it should or should not be. But I think that the case will be opened up now as to whether or not it's actually safe to stand at football matches. And this, I think, will be a conversation that will be had over the next 12 to 18 months as well. And then also maybe a look, as Nick said and as Laney said, about the policing and how football fans are treated and how we need to be consulted a little bit more about stuff so that actually we feel that we're enjoying ourselves and we're treated as human beings and not animals when we go to games. It's safe to stand at football because we stand every week. I mean, unless you're telling us that you know, we're being allowed to stand in an unsafe environment. You know, we're standing in one of the oldest grounds in the country and we, we feel safe every week. And clearly going forward, that needs to be reviewed. And it's not about cramming thousands of people into the, you know, the size of terrace they used to be. It's clearly got to be controlled and the numbers have got to be right. But the actual fact of whether people sit or stand you know, has, has already been proven. It makes no difference. So... Last week and the week before, we had a couple of our articles and a couple of bits on the podcast. We covered the accounts for Brentford, we covered Lionel Road for Brentford, we all covered Brentford's scouting and uh, recruitment setup. And we also put articles on the website, besotted.co.uk, go and check them out. And also on our podcast channel, audioboom.com. They were honestly very, very, very busy, as you can imagine. Uh, lots of people listening to the podcast over those last those two weeks and also lots of people reading the articles and stuff and feeding back to us as well. And, and I'll just like to say to you, we actually got some really good and nice feedback from certain people. We got a little message from Rob from the website who said, great podcast, gents. It was actually my first ever podcast and probably the most insightful thing I've found out about the bees in a long time, if not ever. Thanks, Rob, for uh, checking in, and please listen every week as well. Also, we had a guy, Chris, who actually messaged as well, and he said, I'm a regular listener who found the latest podcast one of the very best and most interesting. The info on the new stadium, scouting, and even if you don't agree, the Ask podcast. Well done, keep up the good work, and thanks. Again, Chris, thanks very much, and everybody else who listens in, listens in every week, uh, respect to you lot, thanks very much, it keeps us going to know that you're there, lots of people come up to us and talk to us at games and just discuss things with us, and we do very much appreciate it, but like, we're just going to reflect, we're not going to talk too much about it, because obviously the information is out there um, for you to have a look at, and a lot of people were very surprised, it was also picked up by quite a few sort of economy um, blogs and, 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 and economy people out there who are talking about the economy of football and the way that we're doing our business. And I mean, like I said to you, there's a there's a, just a, there's a few issues out there that, like I said, that that that, that, that were picked up. I want to look at a point by um, Kerry Mills. She put a point saying, you know, she couldn't understand why Fleming Pedersen, who she believes is one of the most experienced people in the club, isn't um, actually in the the decision making process. So there's four people in the decision making process, which is Dean Smith, um, Rasmus Ankerson, um, Matthew Benham, and uh, and Phil Giles. Yeah, there's four people. But he's saying, but why not Fleming Pedersen? You know. So that, I mean, that's a question to throw out there. I mean, Fleming Pedersen has got a specific role within the club. Um, 
he came into the club and he had a role, I think that the role he wanted to do didn't quite merge with Marinus at the time from what I can gather, but then he was given another role when, when uh, Carsley left, so he ended up taking the under-21 role, so I'm not sure what Fleming Pedersen's role is going to be, but he's obviously very experienced and maybe when the new system comes into place he might slot in there somewhere. Um, also for myself is what I think is quite interesting is I've seen lots of and I don't I've tell you something I've never spoken to this guy I've spoken to him once at the big red ball don't know anything about him pretty much don't know what he does as such because I've asked a lot but Rasmus Enkerson everyone keeps on going Rasmus this and Rasmus and you've destroyed our club if you look at the setup that we've done and how it actually works Rasmus's input into kind of buying players is is kind of I'm going to say don't belittle the role because he obviously is in there and he's a director but compared to the scouts and Andy Scott and the people that do all the strategy and all that lot it's it's very small so you know for him to be have his finger pointed at saying that you're pulling the club down it's uh, it's actually not correct information and if you want to do it, have a look at the have a look at the report have a look at the the article that I wrote and the, and the, the system and Rasmus yeah, is in there at the, the the back end where he may tick off a player with three other people on a, on a panel but you know the person who is who is the person who's at the top of the pile really on the player side is Phil Jars Dutch I know that you spent a lot of time putting this stuff together have you, have you had any sort of post thoughts or anything that anyone has said to you yeah the, the, the feedback was was pretty positive which was good I think what what I tried to do what we tried to do was you know not have a forensic accounting examination but actually just try and interpret some of the facts and put them in language that <laughs> that I understand and that, that that football fans understand there's clearly um, financial people out there who've looked at it as well I think what's interesting is you know it was, it was put across really as an information piece to provoke and promote discussion and that certainly happened um, whether it's a, an eye-opener for people who weren't aware of the numbers um, you know or whether it's, it's you know prompted people to ask certain questions that yeah it, we haven't got the answers for in all cases we're not we're not there with the inside information we've just got the information that's publicly available the same as everybody else and you know what we try to do is get that across in footballing terms and hope that people can see where we're at I mean the numbers vary there's um, different opinions on interpretations of numbers there's different dates you know one of the, the key confusions is the sort of difference between accounting year end and season as, as we discussed last week at length but we don't know exactly what's behind those accounts we're not privy to the the auditors figures to see which particular players are in which year and which particular transfer fees are included and which particular ones aren't you know that's just our spin on it but all we're doing is promoting that discussion and, you know, and keep the questions coming and keep the, the comments and discussion coming because that's that's the whole point of why we do this. Yeah, I, I, again, just to echo some of that really, it's just getting the, it's getting the, the information out in the public domain and, 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 and presenting it in a way that people can kind of, um, you know, um, take, take it on board and, and, and sort of, you know, um, make, make of it what they will, discuss it down the pub with their, with their mates. You know, I think one thing that won't change is people's individual um, expectations and ambitions for the club, what, what, what they actually want the club to be doing, um, how, how much they expect them to be spending chasing the Premiership, you know, wh whether, whether the demands for you know, a year-on-year -year, um, improvement in league position, um, you know, all, all of those things are, are down to individuals. We can't, you know, we're, we're not going to sort of preach to you what, you know, what, what you should and shouldn't be expecting for your, you know, for the money that you spend out and getting into Brentford every week. But you know, ho hopefully, it sort of gives gives you the information enough to kind of make make have, have more realistic expectations and just to kind of see what. Um, if we if we spent x x million more or we didn't didn't sell the players that had gone and you know what what that would impact on 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 the debts of the club and you know how long that's sustainable so you know it's 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 not a it's not a black and white issue it's it's, it's very complex um you know but one thing that is you know is brutally clear is that you know we we aren't bringing in enough money through through the gates of the club or or, or commercial side of the club um, to, to 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 keep the club moving forward and bringing million pound players in. Um, and if we've got if we've got sort of visions of being in the Premier League, then you know all all those all those numbers mean something. So just yeah, just just sit and if you haven't listened to it or, or, or read the read, read the the article that Billy put up. Um, just just go through it in a, in a quiet moment and just kind of just have a think about it. So you know it's it's it's, it's quite sobering. And 
and, and just come in, I just want to just give you two sort of last thoughts and thoughts about it because where we're at the moment now, there's there's almost like we're quite constricted. Brentford's quite constricted, really, in the amount of money that it can get in. You're sort of thinking, where else are we going to get money from? You know, we've got a 10 million um, turnover at the moment now. How can we make that 20 or 25 million? At the moment, that's not very, very easy. How, how I sort of kind of describe it is, uh, you know, you're trying to make these changes to make it work. How can we make smaller losses? It's like, you know, a lot of you guys on Twitter, and you're on Twitter, 180 characters, okay, and you've got to get that down to 145 characters. So what you do to try and get it down to 145 characters, you remove an ah somewhere, and then maybe you might remove an it somewhere, and you, you're probably going from 175 to 173 to 172. It's like, that ain't going to work like that. You need to make some seismic changes to make it work. Now, just I threw an example in there to say, oh, Somebody said, why don't you raise the ticket prices if that's our main form of income? 20% rise in ticket prices, okay? So if they went from £30 to £36, which is a lot of money, or our season ticket went from £350 to £420, the club would actually raise an extra £600,000, right? Which will probably buy Ro uh, um, Jordan Rhodes's left shoelace, you know? So it gives you an idea. Is that we'd be going, oh, my God, this money is so out of order they've charged us, and that's a lot of money. They wouldn't go up that high, but what it will actually get you in return isn't really that much the second thing is also i don't think about okay how do we get out of this rut because eventually it does all the roads do lead to the premier league and the fact is that you know matt Menon spends all this money he's 90 million in at the moment now he'll probably spend some more money so he might be 100 or 110 120 million in but the moment that we actually ever do if we do it get the premier league boom you get your 130 million and then you start rolling and if you keep in there then all of a sudden the money comes in and it changes now some of the problems that teams like Bolton did, they'll go and get the money in the Premier League, then what they'll do, they'll spend loads of money to try and keep in there. It all goes horribly wrong, they get relegated, and before you know it, they've gone into administration. So the thought is, some teams think, well, what if you just keep your spending kind of relatively minimal or enough, or try and do some clever things, which maybe you could do, but the chances are you're going to get relegated. So I'd have thought here, okay? So there's a lot of people that say if you've got the Premier League, ticket money is irrelevant compared to the TV money. You know, you get 3.1 million or 5 million ticket money, but you get 130 million TV money. So what if Brentford, if they got promoted, turned around to all the loyal fans and they said to them, tell you what, all these fans who had a season ticket or a members, whoever it may be, over the past X amount of years, if we get promoted, we're going to basically pay for your football. It's going to be free for you to get in or a pound for you to get in over the season, home and away. We'll pay for everything because, to be quite honest with you, we do that for you because what we're not going to do is that we're not going to go up there and we're not going to spend £150 million to try and keep in the league. We'll do what we can do and it may work, it may not work, but we want you to stick with us. So instead of you spending billions of money going around the country because you've been so loyal to us for years, we'll pay for it. That money is relatively small compared to the football league money that they get. And they could go out there for, for three, four, five, six thousand pounds and pay for their whole football, and it would be relatively small amount. It'll be, you know, a few couple of millions maybe, if that. And I just thought that would be a really good testament and real sign if the football club turned around and said, "Tell you something, what we'll do: is stick with us through thick and thin. We may, we may not bust the bank next year, or if we go up." But we want you to be with us and it's not going to cost you because you've been with us for years. And that's just a little you know, a little bit of creative thinking from myself. May, may put it to, to the club to see what they think. If they did something like that, they're probably listening now thinking, ah, we can't do anything like that. But of course you can. If you've got 130 mil from the Football League or FA, um, the, the Premier League, you could do anything. But anyway, someone on this, any, any summing up such? Some people would still say it was too expensive. It was free, Billy. That's just what people do, I guess. <laughs> I think the difference for me this year, not being a massive Premier League follower, is actually seeing teams like Bournemouth and Watford be comfortably outside the relegation zone really is a real change to see teams who you know we, we, we're more akin to um, than some of the others actually you know most years the teams that go up are the ones that struggle and this year you've seen a real change where teams are actually going up and competing and yeah they get the odd thrashing and the odd bashing but mostly this year those 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 two have been safe and that's a real incentive for teams like us who think if you get the model right and you get the money there is potentially a future beyond where we are now and that's that's a real change of attitude for me so saturday approaches big game in west london the second derby well second league derby anyway at griffin park between brentford and fulham for a very long time last season was absolutely teething tremendous the man hotter popped up in the last minute scored the goal the place went absolutely ballistic. Hotter in the last minute. Unfortunately, Hotter's gone back to Spain, where he's going to burn for a bit of a time, and he probably won't be coming back, unfortunately, for the B. So that, that is stuck in our memory, that. But 
we have this season. Fulham are coming down. It could have been a relegation battle, but it's not. It's going to be an end-of-season one, but still, both of us want to win. I thought, listen, instead of talking about Fulham myself and talking absolute nonsense, instead I'll go to the expert, the man, the magician, the magic mod. The magic mod Fulham man, who knows everything about Fulham. The magic mod, how are you? <laughs> I don't know. No, yeah, I'm very well, thank you. I don't know if I know everything about Fulham. I've only been supporting since <laughs> I was six. <laughs> okay, well, that's, all, that's all good, mate. You know? But listen, what have you been up to? Uh, I've been busy. I've been doing a lot of still doing the magic. You know, why, might as well do something I'm actually good at. Football career didn't go too well. Still waiting for the trial to happen, but it did happen. Uh, yeah, magic's going really well. You know, I'm doing a tour up and down the country or up and down the UK, which has been going down very well. Doing lots of corporate gigs. Come bringing out a documentary that should be out, hopefully, touch wood, next four or five months. And um, we're going to really plug that as much as we can. Uh, done a lot of stuff with Paul Weller. I've been on his shows at um, Hammersmith, the two nights in Hammersmith, and did the show in Brighton as well. Uh, yeah, it's been a dream come true. It's really had hit off. Excellent, excellent. Sounds like you're busy, the mods. I mean, obviously too busy. That I mean, I've just got to ask you a question, because obviously this season hasn't gone according to plan, and Fulham looked like they were going down, but did they give you a call to see if the magician could get them out of a bit of a scrape? You know what? It was quite funny, actually. I'll, um when we started going on a bit of a losing streak, they actually called me and said, do you mind bringing your boots and doing a shift? So, yeah, I mean, that's when you know times are bad. But, hey, I mean, yeah. football, that, 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 that's football, though, isn't it? I mean, at one minute, we'd be absolutely flying and, and we look really good and we think, hang about, we might finish top half of the table. And then the next minute, you're losing the teams you should never be losing to. For instance, Bristol City at home. We should never be losing against a team like that. And it goes all back to the whole thing, you know, like many, not too many years ago, we were entertaining the teams of Juventus, you know, Hamburg, Roma at, at the cottage. And now we're, you know, we're struggling to get a result against Bristol City. And, uh, but hey, that, that's why we love football so much, because it's not consistent. And it's not going to stop me from going to the cottage, my place of worship. Indeed. So, I mean, look, look, last season, obviously, you came down big parachute payments, adjusting to the league as it was, and you didn't do as, as you expected to. Brentford did very well last time, better than everyone expected, including ourselves. Got to the players, didn't quite get there, but hey, new season starts, different for us. We lose some players, we have a nightmare, managers go, get sacked, you know, players get injured and all sorts of stuff. So we have a struggling season. But you guys, what's going on with you guys this season? Because surely you should have upped the ante this season. Yeah, um... It hasn't been the best of seasons, let's be honest. You know, my point of view, I always, I've always said to anyone who speaks to me, it's going to take at least three or four seasons before we really do start challenging for the top, the top five, uh, or, or for instance, the top two. And, and I still stand corrected by that. You know, the first season, like you said, we were finding our feet. I think we, we didn't expect it to be as hard as it would be. And we found that out the hard way, you know. And, um, the second season, it's still a learning curve for a lot of them players, you know. Not many players who we've got have played in the championship. You know, a lot of the youngsters have been fortunate enough to be in the Premier League. And it's a completely different ball game. And it's nice to see tackles flying in for a change and not, you know, getting... In the Premier League, you can hardly tackle. In the championship, it's brilliant. It's much more competitive. Well, I'm not saying the Premier League wasn't competitive. I mean, you're allowed to fly into a challenge and not get... You know, a needless card. It's it's brilliant, but it hasn't. It's a season to forget. You know, I mean, Ross McCormack and Musa Dembele done wonders. You know, if you want a double act for a magician, there you go. That's them two there. They have been absolutely brilliant for us. And dare I say it, where would we be without them? Yeah, indeed. And it's interesting you should say that as well because you know we found out sort of slightly the hardware where we brought in some players from from Europe who weren't used to the championship again. You know, probably technically very good players. They come into the championship and it's taken them a very, very long time to find their feet. And uh, even our owner turned around and said, to be quite honest with you, I didn't realise it's going to be so hard for them to, tr to form. It's actually probably easier for them to go into the Premier League, players like this, than go into the championship, which is full-blooded, tackles flying in, games on Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, which seems like what Fulham have got. So, I mean, the question I ask for you is that if they're struggling... 
you know, what you got to sort of stick with them, or isn't it better to actually bring players in who actually are used to playing this type of football? I mean, the new manager, you know, I, I'm going to stand by him. I think he will do a lovely shift for us, and I think he will eventually make a good, solid team. And I hope that is based around Scott Parker, because in my opinion, he has been and, and McCormack and Dembele, sorry, because Par, uh, Scotty Parker this season. Has been, or the, when he come back from injury and started playing towards the end, he has been fantastic. That's what we need. You know, that's what we actually missed. We lacked someone who was like that, who, when you lose him, when you should be winning, will bollock you. But, you know, constrict, uh, constructive criticism. He's a leader. He's, uh, he, I can't praise him enough. I know I've done it a lot on Twitter after the last couple of games, or the last few months because I just think he's been brilliant and I would like to see a team built around Parker, Dembele and McCormack. I mean, I know McCormack signed a, a contract extension. I would love to see Moose stay because you know, he's found his feet. This has got to be the best season he's ever had. Uh, he's, he really has hit it off. Yeah. yeah, so I mean it's interesting because a few weeks ago I mean, everyone was scared, or all the authorities were scared, like, you know, because they thought, oh no, Brentford, Fulham's going to be a relegation tussle. You know, one of them's going to relegate each other and it's going to be a complete nightmare, like, you know. Um, so there's a lot of nervousness flying around. But it hasn't turned out that way now because, I mean, you went, we went on a great run, you know, six matches unbeaten before last yeah. night, which was Hull. I mean, I've, I've literally just got back from Hull only a, only a couple of hours ago, actually. So it was a bit of a long trip, that one, but a bit of a laugh as well. But yourself, you had a good little run there, didn't you? certainly did and um, things started looking really really bright you know after that loss like I said Bristol City the game we really we couldn't afford to lose that we all knew what would happen if we lost that and we you know it was in the programme notes all the players well Amor Bieta especially knew that this had to be the game judging by his performance I don't think he meant the programme notes by that game but um, hey I would never ever slate a Fulham player while they've got the shirt on. I wait until he moves to another club. But um, yeah. <laughs> he, it, it, that we should never have lost that game. And then we went on a lovely little run after, and I thought, hang about, where's this come from? Where has this form come from? All of a sudden, it's like they actually knew what it meant because I mean, us fans after the City game, we let them know because we not because we expect us to be in the top half of the table. But we expect a little bit more. You know, we're very passionate fans. We love the club that is Fulham because we've seen it through the glory days. We've seen, you know, or the most recent uh, of glory going through the Europa League and all that, uh, going to the final. And, you know, from that to struggling at home to a team we should be beating, we just, that was so bad. And then we went on a lovely little run. And then Brighton on Friday night or a couple of Fridays ago was terrible. It was really, I went up there in expectations. I was, you know, a lot of the fans were saying, what do you reckon, Mod? What do you reckon? I went, oh, hopefully, you know, 2-1 Fulham. Wow, how wrong was I? You know, I, I don't think I could be any more further from being wrong. 5-0. I mean, Brighton are a great side. You know, they're, they're not there by fluke. they they great side. And, you know, Stockdale, who well, I've, built a relationship with, with I, I hope he does do well and ends up in the Premier League because he's a fantastic keeper but we didn't turn up so listen I mean you've got the big game on Saturday I mean you're playing Brentford I mean the, real, the realistic you know the fact is you haven't actually beaten Brentford in the league for about 145 years so what's going to be any different on Saturday Magic Mods huh. uh, I'm hoping to work my magic I mean it's, yeah, you're right. We haven't had, you know, a great stat against Brentford in the recent or in last season and even this season. You know, I would like to... I don't know. We, I mean, look what we did to QPR. We embarrassed them this season and it was fantastic. You know, I mean, that, when we played QPR, we seemed to really turn the heat on. We didn't see that against Brentford last season and I, I mm. think... I don't know. I, I really do hope we... I mean, if we put a lot of passion in and only give a, give, get a draw, would I be happy with that? I don't think so. No, I want us to get the whole three points and end the season on a high because, hey, that's, that's really what we've got to play for now. I mean, we've got Bolton at home, Brentford away. You know, we're, we're safe. We ain't going nowhere. 
Okay. And, uh, you know, I think we got we got to go out on a high. So I'm going to say right. two Fulham. Okay, well, good. Well, interesting. Two wonderful them for you lot. You guys are going for it big time. And it'll not be funny. I mean, I know it's end of season and everyone might think it's a bit of a damn sweep, but we know that you guys are up for it. Your fans are up for it. Brentford fans are up for it. We haven't got anything else to play for. So even when we went to Hull last night, even though we lost, we changed our team because our manager actually took out, you know, you know, the guy that's scoring all the goals for us, Lasse Bivay, <laughs> right back, didn't play last night, you know. Um, he's taken out, you know, he's taken out quite a few players. He's just rested them for that game last night because he knows that Saturday is the one. Because when we went to QPR, he changed the team around like we've never seen before. He played, as we call it, a false nine. We didn't even play with a centre forward. And we turned yep. up going, what's going on here? And QPR battered us. And he, he's not been in that long, Smith. And he felt the wrath of the fans who were like, not be funny, <laughs> if you're going to lose any game, you don't lose against QPR. So I think he's just realised, listen, I've got to make, make it good this time. So he's, he's pulled the players back. So we're taking this one seriously. So it should be a lively one. Listen, the Magic Mod, tell us quickly... Over the next few weeks, if anyone wants to go and catch you with your magic, I know you've done a lot of stuff with Paul Weller recently. Is there anywhere they can catch you? Yeah, I mean, hopefully. It's all a bit hush-hush at the moment, but with the documentary and everything, it's, uh, there's gonna be a, I'm going to do a lot more you know, public gigs because a lot of mine have been all corporate and, that, and I haven't had a chance to engage with people who really do support me on the internet, you know, and I, I want to start doing that a bit more. But I'm going to have a lot more public gigs coming out in and around London very, very soon, especially... Okay, where... wicked. So if they want to get hold of you, is there a website, is there a Twitter? Just let people know how to get hold of you. Sure. You know, if you want to give me a lot of stick on after Saturday's game when we win 2-1, two, two, it's at TaylorMod on Twitter. Be gentle. And if you want to catch up with every, everything I'm doing on The Magic, it's www.themagicmod.com. Okay, wicked. The Magic Mod, I will catch up with you on Saturday. Maybe go for a couple of beers before or after the game. And what you will do is that if you have lost 2 or 3-0, you'll get out your magic hat, you'll probably wave the wand, and all of a sudden Fulham would have won 2-0. I don't know how that'll happen, is it? Just like that. <laughs> all right, mate. Nice chat to you. You're very welcome. So, season's almost coming to an end, but what they have done is they've decided to let it end with a little bit of a bang for us. So instead of us playing Rotherham or Hartlepool, well, we can't play Hartlepool, actually, we're playing Fulham, last home game of the season. It could have been a relegation decider. One of us or both of us could have put each or the other down. But, of course, we picked ourselves up. To be quite honest with you, one of the points is that even if we had scored, had no points and lost every single game from the time when we thought that we were going to get relegated, which was, when was that, mid-February? Yeah. February, February, mid-February, even if we'd lost every single game till then, we still wouldn't have got relegated because MK Dons are down on 39 points. So, again, a lot of the people that put their bets on, it just goes to show you how we can kind of get panicky over a smaller period of time, but we've got to look over a longer period of time. But coming back to this game, Fulham are coming down on Saturday. They're coming down in their droves. Check out the Besotted website for the information we have on the Fulham game about the drinking um, and about everything else that's going to be going on. But... We're just going to talk about the game now on Saturday because we need to win this one because we're in the West London Mini League. We're already going to be above Fulham, but for us, this is a matter of West London pride, is it not, Nick? Absolutely. <clears throat> we are currently two points above uh, Rangers. Um, we'll forget where Fulham are because, I mean, they're, they're scrapping around. It's not quite at the bottom, but almost at the bottom. And I think uh, getting a clear mind the gap on Rangers would be important. We are in 10th place. We can do a bit more playing around. Um, I'm pretty confident that the way that the team has been performing at home, we'll ignore Tuesday's, the whole, whole match, you know, because that was basically, it was almost two reserve teams out on on uh, Tuesday night. I reckon that uh, Dean Smith realises the importance of finishing the home season on a win and therefore I'm pretty confident that we will turn over the Fulham 2-1. Interesting, Nick. I, I, I'm just thinking about this as well, because we're playing Fulham 
And you've got to draw your mind back to, is it a couple of seasons ago, they're in the Premier League. So the fact is they're still on parachute payments. They're still getting, you know, whatever it may be, you know, 15 million or whatever it is. I have to look at it. Forgive me for not doing my research, but I've just plucked this up. I call it 15 million a year, more than what we're going to be getting. So they're getting good money. I know they've had good, good money before and look exactly how they have performed. Uh, I know a lot of people have been disappointed about Brentford this season, but to be quite honest with you, we've done all right. And if you look at teams like Fulham and Reading and Blackburn, I keep going back to it. It's come on, you know, let's get a bit of a reality. They must be absolutely gutted knowing that, to be quite honest with you, they've got a lot of resources, they've got some decent players. I mean, Roscoe McCormick, you know, I'm sure that he could walk into most teams in the Championship, but they just haven't delivered, have they? No, this, you know, for them to finish the, in the in the positions just outside the uh, relegation zone is, is is kind of it's criminal considering the budgets, as you say, and you know where that where they've how far they've fallen in, <clears throat> in such a short space of time. But in in terms of like the uh, the magnitude of this game as Brentford fans, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's it, you know it, it, it's a brilliant way to to to, to finish the home fixtures off. Um, for most people, it will be their last game of the season. I know there'll be a lot of people going to Huddersfield, but you know it just gives us a real um, opportunity to end the season on a very, very positive note. And if we if we can win, you know it'd be, it'd be one of the sort of like the you know it'd probably be the highlight of the of the home calendar this season. I think Dean Smith's got a massive opportunity to make some friends on Saturday, hasn't he? Um, you know the, the jury's out with many people. Improve run of form, and everyone waiting for next season to see what he can do. But if you want a quick and easy win. Let's turn up on Saturday and, and play. As you guys have said, there's some very unhappy and very disgruntled Fulham fans at the moment that are actually feeling relieved that they managed to finish fourth from bottom. You know, when clearly at the start of the season they're expected to come in the top four with players, you say, like McCormack and Dembele and others. Um, interesting to see we rested some players last night, not something we've done for a while. Um, whilst we've sorted ourselves out, I think um, we know there'll be some changes from, from last night's Tuesday's team uh, for Saturday. And I'm very much looking forward to it. There'll be some players there. It could be the last time we see some of them. Um, some will be fighting for contracts or places next year. Um, and it should be good. Score prediction. Score prediction, end of the season. I can't change my ways now. 2-0 Brentford. Laney? 4-1 Brentford. 4-1 Brentford. So look, so look, yeah, so Fulham game on Saturday. Um, the main thing to look out for, like I said to you, all the pubs are going to be mixed as they are for usual, except one, which is the Globe, who's decided it's going to be home friends only. And if you've got full of mate that you want to bring in, that's not a problem. But other than that, Globe has actually gone home fans only, um, which it's actually pretty much never done before. So that'll be quite interesting. But everything else will be as per normal. There'll be no real restriction of movement for uh, fans, except for after the game, possibly. They may block the roads off to get the Fulham fans to go out down the Clifton Road, which means that the Brentford fans won't be, be able to go down the old Brook Road area as well, because they want to keep that down for the Fulham fans. And they also may change the... Um, the entrance to the station so the way that you're going to get in is going to be changed up as well because they want to try and sort of maybe restrict the flow in there as well and the other thing to note everyone and it was mentioned a bit earlier by the Dutchman Army and Navy on Saturday which means that there's going to be you know, lots of people at Twickenham there's going to be lots of mayhem around that area the traffic's going to be a nightmare the trains are going to be a nightmare they're actually not putting any extra trains on cheers so there's going to be a lot of issues there as well um, so so guys just be, be noted for that leave early if you need to to get down to the ground and stuff like that but other than that it's going to be a good day out um, we're going to have fun I believe that Brentford are going to win 3-1 and hopefully you know that will sort of finish off our home campaign very nicely one other thing I have to say as well we have a traditional pitch invasion you know about that don't you Lady? We will. We, we normally have a pitch invasion. Most of us don't go on it. It's just just for the just for the kids normally at the end of the season. But you know, obviously, we've had a couple of opportunities to go on on mass. You know, the, after Wigan when we guaranteed our playoff place uh, last season, and obviously getting promoted against Preston the season before, where you know you wouldn't want to be anywhere apart from on the pitch together. You know, those photographs that are going to be still looking great in a hundred years' time. They 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 require people to be on the grass but um, yeah I mean whether, whether you want to venture on a venture venture straight to the pub after the game you know um, I, I think you, you might be allowed to you might be allowed to get your, your, your feet muddy if you want well I, th I think the thing is that I, mean, I think that it's it's recognised now that every season there is a pitch invasion whether or not you do it or not but the kids do do it and it is always normally good natured 
Um, I think the club, I think the authorities, I think the police have acknowledged that as well. They've tipped their hat to it. They're not saying you can come on the pitch, but they've acknowledged the fact that people, I think, will come on the pitch. So you're going to keep it um, good-natured. The pitch invasion, of course, will be only one-sided. There'll be no Fulham fans allowed on the pitches at all. But like I said to you, is that everyone out there, if you're going to go on the pitch, keep it good-natured, keep it cool. Remember, respect to the team. Pay respect to the team who have done what they've done this season and hopefully finish us in top ten, and that'll be all good. But anyway, listen, we're going to finish this podcast off. It's been great. It's been a bit jaded today, as you can tell. We're a little bit mellow than we have been because we had a bit of a long night out in Hull, the cultures of Hull. So we thought we'd just come down off the train straight into the... the sorry, the Euston Flyer. Excuse me now. The Euston Flyer on the Euston Road. A great little pub for coming off the train from King's Cross or coming from Euston. A couple of rails in there. But they've taken care of us very nicely. But yes, very, very, very good. But Saturday... Absolutely massive game. Everyone's going to get down there early. Everyone's going to get very excited. This is the last big game for the Bees. We got let down at QPR massively, but they can't let us down on Saturday. So let's get down there, cheer the boys. I know Fulham are very, very nervous. They don't want us to embarrass them. So let's just go out and do exactly that. As we say, come on, you Bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.